Hello and welcome to episode 17 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast that has good leverage, long arms and spectacular core strength. My <laughs> name's Paul Hirons and I'm back in the sewing room with the season mere weeks away and another pre-season victory under our belts. And joining me is, as ever, the George to my Iloka, the George to my Iloka, <laughs> and the George to my Iloka. It's Nathan Palmer, everybody. Hello, Nathan. Paul, you really have run out of ideas. Torville and Dean twice, and now you just got to uh, triple-do George Iloka for me. What's going on? Well, there is a reason for well, triple, I... tripling down on Unless George Iloka, to be under honest. under a rock for the past couple of was it 48 hours yeah 48 hours it dropped uh, the news dropped on sunday didn't it first take paul herons oh well i was going to ask you that i'm annoyed about it really all right quite passionately annoyed as oh, well Oh, this is good because i i thought you might be i, so, I just don't um, understand it i mean you've got a guy who's an average starter in my book hold on we're not we're not talking about beers <laughs> we're not talking about the weather we're not talking about football we're not talking about shirts that we're wearing we're going straight into it yeah, nathan palmer the no, passion no bollocks. is it, no bollocks. if it is he's starting to swear already <laughs> i can see the listeners i can see the temples throbbing in his temple my arms um so okay let, let's get down to george Oloka was yeah shockingly cut by the bengals on sunday we're recording this on the tuesday um so nathan why are you passionately against this i think that no one will disagree that i think when we paid george aloka a couple of years ago we thought he would play at a higher level and he developed to a higher level than he has i know the bengals were looking for help and they've looked at eric reed they looked at brandon coleman and they're trying to kirk upgrade coleman. that position kirk coleman sorry yeah and they've tried to upgrade that position when and drafted jesse bates in the second round great i just don't see by cutting him how you make the team any better you're not bringing anyone in you're basically just giving brandon wilson a spot on the roster who i loca is better than we're weeks from the season the guy knows the scheme as well as he possibly could he knows the teammates he's a respected locker room presence he's been there a long time relative to other members of the team and i just feel like okay we might save a couple of quid but we don't need to. We've got a lot of cap room. We're not desperate to get rid of players. And I think a guy that... I mean, there's a lot more players, and I know that this is a bit of populist opinion on Twitter. You've got, you know, your Abwehis, your Michael Johnsons, yeah. who are far closer to the cutting block. Yes. And you've gone and got rid of a guy that, you know, fills me with a lot of fear to be going into that season with Jesse Bates and Fedulam as, as your two options, or Josh Shaw, or whatever it might be. I mean, that to me is a weak safety group right now. Um... Do you know what? I can't disagree with any of that. I was going to be devil's advocate and come at it from the Bengals' point of view. Um, but let, let me just read you a tweet by Ian Black at iSunshineBlack. Uh, he's a big George Iloka fan. He says, It's a sad day. The Bengals have released George Iloka, one of my favourite players, always worked so hard for the team and always turned up and gave 100%. It was a privilege to see him grab an interception in London, and there was a picture of Ian with his George Iloka shirt on. And I think one of the reasons why it was a shock is because he he was so well liked within Bengals fandom. I'm not saying he was the greatest player in the world; he was a really solid, decent player. But yeah, it was shocking to me because he was. I mean, you look at the some of the tweets that the journalists have sent out. You look at some of the tweets that. His teammates have come out with. Yeah. He was obviously a really popular, well-liked guy in 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 the locker room. Um, so it was a shock in that respect. Um, I think what gets me as well. I've seen a lot of tweets out there saying, "Oh, Jesse Bates in his first two preseason games scored eighty on Pro Football Focus." Two preseason games where the geezer's probably played about 40, 50 snaps, and half of those would have been run plays. It's completely irrelevant. You know what I mean? When Antonio Brown is streaking it up the middle. And he's got to communicate with the linebackers and people like that. That's when it's going to show. And I feel like, why not let Iloka? And I'm not sure if there's any like more cap pits if we cut him later or anything else. So, you know, ignore my ignorance here. But why not let Bates beat him out? Why not split their time in the third and fourth preseason game? Split their time in the first couple of games. And if Iloka's really flagging and he's, you know, struggling a lot... Let Bates beat him and like be an obvious solution. Well, it goes Why ag now? It goes against the whole kind of uh, Marvin Lewis 
approach to to bedding rookies in. I mean, I mean, normally he redshirts them for a year or eases them very very slowly yeah. into into the the um, the roster. You know, he doesn't give them that much game time. And now suddenly he's saying, no, let's get rid of George and stick in an unproven safety. And it, the the thing that I didn't buy about this was the fact that it was a financial decision. Because as you said, you know, mm. the initial t- tweets by Ian Rappaport and those big NFL guys and ESPN guys was, it's a purely financial decision. Mm. And I just thought that that can't be because we don't need to. We need to. money, no. Now, I know that we're looking to extend Dunlap and Ann Atkins and Denard and Croft this year, if we possibly can. So there's been speculation whether this clears a bit of room to kind of get those deals done. But it wasn't a crushing need, you, you know. Not now, anyway. Not now. And as you said, you know, you look around the roster, someone like maybe a Ryan Hewitt who's not getting yeah. much of a look in and hasn't for the past year and a half. Yeah. He's a prime cut candidate, I think. Yeah. Cedric Boy, mm. Bobby Hart, you yeah, know, yeah, they're yeah. not showing up much at all. So I don't buy that whole it was a financial decision. What I do buy, however is that it could be just a pure footballing decision. On what? On the basis that ever since Terrell Austin came in as DC, probably in January time, the noise has been we've got to upgrade at the safety position. And if you look at Iloka's grades uh, coming in the past couple of years, I do think he's actually dropped off quite a lot. I agree with that. Uh, There's been some mistakes made, and I think... Pro Football Focus, again, not the Bible, but it's a good sort of yeah, yeah. Uh, fairly good barometer. Um, I think he, they had him down as like 43rd safe, best safety in the league, and that's mm. not good enough. Um, that's about halfway, considering you play two safeties. Nah, I'm sort Just under, under average, which is what I think he is. Under uh, average, you know. but the decision was made to get better at safety, which we all thought was like, really? Do we need to improve at safety? And... Um, and there's also the idea that Iloka and Sean Williams were too similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Iloka was more of a strong safety than a free safety. And they wanted someone a bit like Reggie Nelson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, God, have we missed Reggie Nelson? Yeah, playmaker. Uh, a real play- playmaker. And I'm not saying, so I've got a bit of cashew nut stuck in my... <laughs> Stopping me fourth flow there. But yeah, there was a question whether Iloka and Sean Williams were too similar Mm. And they they needed a ball hawking safety, a, a true free safety that would rove around the field and really get to where the ball is. Not not a big basher. Mm. Um, but then of course the question is, who do you take out of Williams and Iloka if you're going to get rid of one of them? I honestly thought they would get if they're going to get rid of a safety, they'd get rid of Williams because yeah, yeah, yeah. he's not completed a full season yet. Really, no. he's always been injured. Um, he's a solid player. So yeah, I I kind of understand it i wonder whether iloka doesn't quite fit into austin's scheme wasn't quite what he was looking for and they had to make a decision williams or iloka and i think i'm sad to say george's performances have dropped off over the past couple of years so i can kind of understand it and when you look back at the chatter since january this move or at least cutting a safety not necessarily george specifically but cutting a safety shouldn't be too much of a shock I, I agree, but like you're not upgrading the position. You're basically saying who's I mean, to say? I mean, but, I, it is a big risk. I do, but you've got on the roster now. I'm looking. You've got Sean Williams, Brandon Wilson, Josh Shaw, who I guess can like hybrid Clayton safety, Fedulum. and Clayton Fedulum. So you're saying pretty much that Fedulum will definitely be on the roster. Williams will definitely be on the roster. Shaw will definitely be on the roster. So who's starting? Williams and either Shaw or Fedulum at this no, point. No, Bates will start. Oh, sorry, Bates. Sorry, yeah, yeah I'm getting to Bates. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be Bates and Williams, we think. Yeah, yeah. But then who makes the roster instead? So you're saying Brandon Wilson's probably the guy. That yeah, apparently he's flashed or... in pre-season. And... I just can't be- believe that he's better than Iloka. Oh, we just don't need the money. Well, he might. You know I mean? He might be. But I agree. Yeah. It's a bit. It's, a, it's all mites and ifs and buts at the moment. They're putting all their eggs into the Bates basket. It, it, it's funny because I mean we're almost <laughs> forgetting that um, a week ago LaFell got cut, and there's two veterans that I think if you you know if you'd said to us like just. Eight days ago or nine days ago, 
Lafell and Iloka are going, both of them would have been huge shocks. I mean, yeah. we were looking at like Michael Johnson's as potential like chopping block people, but it's, it's crazy to see them both go, Lafell and Iloka, because no yeah. one was saying. And Iloka. I think that's that wasn't even be chatting as, about. as well. The, the reason why it was such a shock. Again, not because George was like a fantastic Pro Bowl player. I mean, he was a solid, yeah, fairly. I mean, he was a consistent, durable sort of guy. An average starter, really. Yeah, yeah. Or if you look at the grades below average, yeah. actually, the past year or so. But the Bengals don't do this. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah. That's why it was such a shock. An aggressive cut. It was an aggressive, very bold cut. Yeah. If it doesn't come off, a bit like your haircut. Aggressive and an aggressive bold. Cut. Well, I'm going to. Ch- <laughs> I am got any choice, but um, um. But yeah, you know what I mean. It's it, yeah. it's very unBengals like this cut, and um, I do. I mean, it is, it is risk. I mean, it's a risk getting rid of LeFell because Ross isn't still the finished article yet. Although he he did some good things against uh, Dallas, which we'll come on to in a little while. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a very bold move. I feel bad for George because he's obviously a model pro and very well liked within the fan base and within his teammates. But what are you going to do? He's probably going to end up with the Raiders with Paulie G. So yeah, I mean, does it strike you as a move that a team willing to win now would make? It doesn't strike me as that. That's the thing. That's, <sighs> that's what. And a that's good the question. same thing with LaFell. I mean, not necessarily. I think LaFell was a a far more obvious cut. But I still think if you're going to win now. You want all the talent you can have on your team and just go for it. Yeah. Like, be aggressive and do it. Not, oh, let's see if Jesse Bates can play. You know, let's see if Auden Tate, based off a couple of preseason, well, one good performance in preseason and a few decent catches in camp, let's see what he can do. It's more like, do you know what? We've got the talent to win a Super Bowl here. Let's not muck around and risk it. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I'm sort of down with that because, like you say, I'm... I'm not 100% on Sean Williams. And if it was down to either cutting Williams or Iloka, then I probably would have gone for Williams only because he's sort of injury prone a little bit. Yeah. And you want someone... And also Iloka was praised for his footballing intelligence and and the way he almost kind of quarterbacked the secondary, you know? So, yeah, it's it's a head scratching move. It's a very very risky move. I think uh, we can only hope. Oh, best wishes to Jesse Bates because he's been yeah, thrust into the deep end now. Uh, by all accounts, I mean I've not noticed him in in the preseason no. games. To be honest with you, which is sometimes a good thing. Yeah, because he's not making any mistakes. Not getting torn up. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, as you say, you know Antonio Brown's bearing down on you and. You know, fourth down and two with the thirty seconds to go, and he and he <laughs> buggers things up. Then you know this decision is going to come back to them. Anyway, um, can I just make one last point on that? Because I know it's been talked about and it's been thrown out there, and I'm, I don't want to stir this up. But a lot of people, well, a, a few people anyway, were bringing up the whole political side of it. What's your take on that? I think it's absolute bullshit. You do? Yeah, I, I think I think because you looked at the the press release that. Um, the Bengals sent out, which is very terse and very almost brutal. Mm. The fact it was like the Bengals today have released, you know, six year veteran George Iloka. The Bengals drafted George in 2010, blah, blah, blah. And normally, if you see like soccer teams over here release players, they'll always say, We wish yeah, whoever yeah. the best for the future and we thank them for all their hard work. Nothing. So I think people just looked into it because it was such a shock. People were looking into kind of. Mm you know, conspiracy theories and, you know, kind of hypothesizing when there was nothing really to hypothesize about. So I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't give that theory any credence. I don't either. And I would like to think not, but I wouldn't say a hundred percent. I wouldn't say that that could not have possibly been, I mean, I don't doubt that. I don't think by any means they thought, you know what, George Aloka is a great start in safety. Let's cut him because he's politically off. But I certainly don't think that it might have, in some sense, had some form of a. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, think I don't think so I don't, at all. Probably not, no. I don't think but so. But I can understand where the chatter's come from. Yeah, but, you know, it's it's from a lot of Bengals who are just screaming shout about... Bengals fans who are screaming shout about anything, basically. Yeah, you know? no, I agree. Um, we've got about 10 minutes until our very special guest this evening, or in this episode, rather. It is this evening, as I speak. Um, so we've got a, a little bit of time to talk about the Dallas game. Um 
God, it was a bit of a... It was an absolute hellraiser, Paul, wasn't it? It was an absolute edge of your seat. I mean, me and you were going to record an episode straight after because we, we felt like we had to capture the moment. Well, we won in Dallas, which is a, a rarity, <laughs> which was good. Uh, but more concerning to me was the offensive. I thought the defence did okay. Yeah. I mean, they were tearing up against the run a little bit, um, but then who doesn't against Dallas because they've got an, uh, an, office, uh, an offensive line, excuse me, that is kind of hewn from yeah, uh, yeah. from solid granite. Do you know what I mean? Who's going to get past Zach Martin and yeah, co? Yeah. But um, but yeah, I thought the the positives. I thought Alex, Alex Erickson did pretty well. Jordan Willis. Jordan Willis did pretty well. Sam Hubbard did pretty well. Yeah. But against third team, second yeah. third team, Carl Lawson again. Carl Lawson again. I like Gino Andrew Billings. I really yes. liked. He, he destroyed into the back. He really yeah, disrupted, yeah, yeah, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. So. And and actually, do you know what? I think they tackled at the past two games. I've noticed a difference in tackling, mm. which has been a big problem the past couple of years. And uh, I don't know. Terrell Austin said that he wanted to improve tackling, make us the best tackling team in the league. And I thought, oh yeah, he's having a he's having a laugh, <laughs> isn't he? But um, but actually, these past two games, I've I mean, Nick Vigil showed yeah, up yeah. as well, which is great. Um, so there was a lot to like on the defence, but I tell you what, watching the offence, the first team offence against Dallas's first team defence, it was kind of like watching them last year. It was Dalton couldn't on the move, run. Dalton could, literally steps back into the pocket. He has one look left, one look right, and he's off. He starts running. And he, you just can't, you know, that completely, immediately, all your reads are out the window. It's like, who's running, who's available. And I mean, I was looking at that offensive line, and I mean... We're all being positive about Frank Pollock and we're always giving, you know, we're giving this very sort of positive attitude towards him. And I'm sure he has got some good ideas, but that middle to right side of the offensive line really, really worries me. Which is why there's an argument for moving bowling over to right guard to bolster that right hand side and Westerman to left guard. Yeah. Because Westerman has been okay, actually. Yeah. In this preseason. Yeah. Hopkins not so much what I'd like to see them do against Buffalo is start the offensive line that they're going to start with against the Colts in a couple of weeks time and play it and play it because they need to get some synchronicity going they need to synchronicity come on that's not even a word is it of course it it is synchronicity it is man (laughs) (laughs) Paul Hiram's racking out the big guns oh yeah I'm passionate tonight and when I get passionate I bring out the big words bloody hell do you know what I mean? They need to they need to mesh and they need to no, kind of get you. together. Or else, what's the point in like throwing in Hopkins Who's or Who's your Kemper? leader at the moment in the clubhouse? Who For what position? Right tackle. Jake Fisher. Yeah. He was be- much better than anyone else. Bobby Hart looked like. Bobby Hart can, you know, he go, can't be allowed anywhere near that first team. He was, I mean, he was cut <laughs> Sorry, by Bob. the Giants who had a dreadful offensive line last year. Do you know what I mean? So you can't be going with him. And I think a boy he... It'd be crazy to keep him on the roster. I think. I think either. I, I don't think they can keep. I mean, I'd rather keep Kent Perkins than um, yeah. than either. And that's no diss on Kent Perkins, but you know, a boy looked all at sea. Uh, there's no Bobby trades Hart to be made. Really there's no free agents of any particular. Well, note. it's like, and this is the thing about Oloka. I mean, I if they wanted to get rid of them, why didn't they shop him around? I think I think no one wants to pay for a safety, do they? Well, no what about trade? Why don't you get? I don't think anyone will pay his contract. It's just, Why don't it's such you get a small market out there? He'll earn a lot less money with another team than he would with us. We'll see. But uh, the quarterback position, the back. I mean, I thought Dalton was nowhere near as sharp as he was against Chicago. That throw on third down to AJ Green, that yeah, missed throw, that was disappointing. Um, Jeff Driscoll starting. As the second quarterback. Yeah, I'm sort of down with that. I'm more of a Driscoll man than a Barkley man I'm now. telling you, Barkley's not making the roster. I, th- I don't think it's a bad shout. I think it's going to be Driscoll versus Barkley against Indianapolis in that final preseason game. I reckon they give them half each. I don't think Dalton will play. I reckon they'll make a call after that. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was Driscoll. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, I like Darius Phillips at the returner. He looked as though he could he could do something. Uh, as I say, the court... I mean... Um, Peter Dadswell, uh, Dadders, hi Pete, uh, tweeted us saying, we've got five running backs worth keeping, causing a logjam. Number two, we finally got good depth in the return game. Number three, backup QB position is frightening. Number four, pass rush is going to be brilliant this season with Dunlap, Hubbard, Willis and Lawson. Agree with that. 
I think we mentioned all those. Um, the running backs, um, they didn't have many holes or lanes to get through on no. against Dallas. Uh, I mean, Hill and Carson ran hard, and they both flashed pretty well. I have to say, I've not seen anything from Mark Walton yet. No, a few nothing. people have said that, yeah. Nothing. I think it's tough. I mean, a lot of those running backs in the preseason, it's third stringers, can look quite good. And I think a lot of running backs in the NFL, and we've seen it so often over the last couple of years, you plug a guy and you've never heard of, and they'll go and run for 100 yards in a, in a proper regular season game, but then can't sustain it. And I think Brian Hills look good, Tra Carson's look good. Like they've, they've been okay, but I, I think the Bengals invested a good amount in Mark Walton, and he will make the team. I, I, yeah. I'm not. I don't think it would be too difficult to go and pick up a running back of a fourth or fifth tier off another team, off waivers or off a practice squad. I think we'd be okay doing that. Yeah, my big. Uh, I say my big worry is obviously the offensive line. We need to big worry. F- the, that's big the, worry. the biggest worry because it, as we've seen last year, it impacts on I, everything. I, I don't think come the regular season it'll be a fixed problem. I just I think they made a good move to go out and get the left tackle, but. I really think that Cordy Glenn's not enough. Billy Price, good in pass protection, not as good in run blocking. And he's a rookie. I mean, you can't expect him to play he's to a high right, level. He's done all right, hasn't he? He's no, done but all right. that, and he probably will be good. But I just think you can't expect him to be just a massive upgrade on Bodine and play to a high level. Uh, I think he's already an upgrade in certain areas. Yeah. He's definitely more athletic. He pulls really well. Yeah. Um, what a nice out. Well, hey. <laughs> Go on, Billy. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I just need them to to play the line that they want to start with and stop mucking about. Yeah, I agree. Stop I agree. switching because you need those guys to. Because you, you know, we'll talk to our special guest in a little while. Um, you need an offensive line to completely gel. Mm. You know, it's What's like your a, line quickly, really quickly. Oh yeah, Glenn, left tackle, Glenn, Glenn, left guard, Westerman, yeah, center, Price, yeah, right bowling, guard. bowling at right guard, yeah, yeah, and uh, Jake Fisher. Yeah, I probably agree with you. I hope that's the line. Or you know, you can swap Westerman and and, and um, bowling around. But I just think... don't Trey Hopkins nicks Westerman. No, I think Westerman's had a decent preseason. Yeah, I hope so. It'd be good to give a young guy a chance. Yeah, absolutely. You know, why not? Um, so, um, so there were some there were some positive stuff. But as I say, the the offensive it was like watching last year. You know, the the offense couldn't stay on the field. Three and outs all the time. Defence coming back on. Absolutely exhausted. It's how the it. NFL changes. Though. Last week, me and you actually sat here buzzing off our nut. Yeah. And now we're sat here doomsdaying. Like, doom, like, no, I mean, I, I'm not doomsdaying. I'm not doomsdaying because it is still pre-season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But there were signs. Mm. Actually, there were signs actually bad and good. So let's hope they can concentrate on the good, iron out those problems. But like you say... To fix an offensive, I'm going to be really, really angry if they haven't fixed. Yeah. If we're kind of week three and like it's all going to pot, then they've made a huge mistake. Yeah. But anyway, we're talking about the offensive line, and uh, I think it's probably a really good time to bring in our special guest. Well, we have a genuine legend on the line, not just a Bengals legend, but an NFL legend as well. He was drafted by the Bengals from USC in 1980. Went on to win two AFC championships, was chosen for 11 Pro Bowls, was selected as first team All-Pro nine times, was named NFL Man of the Year in 1991, was named in both the NFL's All-1980s team and the 75th anniversary All-Time team. He was inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame in 1998 and is reckoned to be Reckoned by many to be the best left tackle to have ever played the game. He is the one and only Anthony Munoz. Anthony, are you there? I am here. How are you doing today? I'm really good, thank you, Anthony. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Um, do you ever get tired of hearing all that kind of stuff? Actually, it, it, at times, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's uncomfortable. It's very humbling. <laughs> right. Uh, it's... <laughs> You know, sometimes I'm like, okay, who are they talking about? Is it really me that they're talking about? Uh, but it, you know, it is. It's humbling, but it's exciting, and I'm just thankful that uh, you know I had a chance to play that long in the NFL, and uh, you know, have some nice things said about you. Yeah, I mean, if someone tried to introduce me, I think it'd be about one line, not like you know. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know what I, mean? I doubt it. Come on. <laughs> now, uh, if you lived over here, if we'd have, we, if we'd have kidnapped you. 
when you came over to London um, and, you know, we were talking to you outside the Admiralty for that amount of time and right. you decided to live here for a certain amount of time or we forced you to live here for a certain amount of time. I don't know where I'm going with it. Um, <laughs> you would no doubt be knighted. You would be knighted. With all your kind of amazing sporting achievements and your philanthropic and foundation achievements and work, you would be knighted. You would be Sir Anthony Munoz, I think. Well, I, you know, that's an awfully uh, nice thing for you to say. And, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to think. Uh, I know there's uh, isn't uh, Elton John, Paul <laughs> yes. McCartney. <laughs> yeah. See, I've always wanted to be a singer. So that would be exciting for me that I could be included in a group of some great singers. I mean, that would be fun. What's your but, singing uh, voice like, you're, you're, Anthony? You're, I'm sorry, with that? What's your singing voice like? I, I love singing solo. Solo, you can't hear me. Oh, really? Are you are you like a are you like a crooner? Are you like a Sinatra kind of Dean Martin kind of smooth? No, no. I would clear the room. I wouldn't have people standing and cheering. I can I cannot sing a lick. I mean, I can't even carry a tune. Well, ne- if you come on the podcast next time. Um, We'll we'll do some karaoke with you. How about that? Some, okay, some, that some... might uh, that might be okay. We'll have to do it when everyone <laughs> late in the evening. When, you know, people are just having a great time. They're talking in the mute. You know, they can't hear me. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to take you back thirty years ago, Anthony, um, to the kind of yeah around now, the end of August, nineteen ninety eight. Now you guys were coming off a four and eleven season because it was a strike affected season in eighty seven. Yeah, you just beaten the Rams in the Hall of Fame game. How, as a team, did you approach that that incredible, what turned out to be an incredible nineteen ninety eight season? What was the feeling in the locker room? Well, you know, after you experience a season like you just talked about, four and eleven, we didn't do very well. You know, you go in the off season, and I know as individual, I know myself, I wanted to, you know, be in the best shape I I could be in to come back and hopefully as a team we could come back and that's what we did we came back as a team and I think we were a little upset or I should say we were a lot upset about what happened the previous year and we wanted to go out and you know people were saying that you know we could uh, you know we couldn't win this many games that many games so I think uh, you know we were a little upset wanted to prove people wrong and and I knew that we could be pretty good because we had some good talent and it was just a matter of coming together and uh, and it started I mean uh, you know with that uh, Hall of Fame game and Things you could see things kind of gelling together in, in the preseason. Of course, we started six and zero that year, uh, so things came together quickly. But I had that feeling that guys were just had a, a, a great incentive, you know, were, were willing to work extremely hard. And, and I thought the main thing is we came together as a team, we gelled as a team during that camp, and I think that's really what was what helped us that year. I mean, you look at the line there uh, yourself. Rymers, Kazerski, Montoya, Walter, a bit of Blados thrown in there as well. Rodney Holm at tight end and Eric Cattis as well. I mean, that was the best line in football, pretty much, I would say. Um, as an offensive line, as the kind of offensive line room, you mentioned that you were kind of playing with a chip on your shoulder. Did the offensive line room have that chip on their shoulder as well? Well, you know, my experience as an offensive line, I don't think... I ever played with guys that had chips on their shoulders as much as we knew as offensive linemen that we had to set the tempo of what was being done with the team. You know, guys that I played with, and you mentioned those guys, Reimers, Kazerski, Montoya, Walter, and then you have to include Holman. Guys just worked extremely hard. I mean, we could have brought a hard hat and a lunch pail to, to work because that's the type <laughs> of work ethic that, you know, guys have been around. So it's just a matter of we know what, you know, as offensive linemen, we know that you can have, you know, Boomer Esiason, James Brooks, Eddie Brown, Chris Conn. You can have those guys around you, but if we don't get it done up front, it doesn't matter who you have throwing the football, running the football, catching the football. So it was just a matter of, you know, our coach, Jim McNally, who I had the privilege of, you know, playing all 13 years for, he had that mindset, man. We worked every practice. We had a half an hour walkthrough before practice. It was like, you know, we had all our walls in our meeting room were just completely covered with grading. Um, he put all our grades up on the wall. So that was that was the incentive. That yeah. was the, the thing that you walked into your meeting room and you didn't want to look up on the wall all meeting and see that you were playing badly. You wanted those 
high grades. You want to grade in the 90s, uh, you know. And, and so it was Jim McNally really knew how to get us going. And as offensive linemen, we knew what it meant. You know, after you're an offensive lineman for a few years, you understand that you got to just bust your rear end and you kind of set the tempo for things. That 1988 team was a heck of a team for lots of different reasons. Boomer, David Fulcher being Troy Polamalu before Troy, you know, 20 years before Troy Polamalu. Um, James Brooks, um, Eddie Brown, all these pro bowlers, Rodney Holman uh, and coach Sam Weish as well, um, who was an extremely innovative coach with a no huddle offense. So we could talk about that for hours. But did it ever, has it ever bothered you that that team, it does to me, um, never gets the credit that it deserves. Yeah, it does. You know, you, you, you get a little frustrated, you know, especially with the, the things we were doing offensively. You know, we caused the league, the competition committee, to make rule changes. Right. You know, if the offense substitutes, you got to let the defense substitute because we were, I mean, we were like the Lakers of the 80s, fast break. And then the thing is, we could go hurry up or we could just get to the line of scrimmage and say, okay, we're going to take the whole time we have before we snap the ball. So it wasn't, People saw us at the line all the time or a lot and thought it was a hurry-up offense, but it really wasn't. So it was um, disguise so, and, then, and, you know, the, and, and whatnot. Right. The crazy thing about it is, what was it, a year or two after we ran that, you know, the Buffalo Bills come up with the K-gun, and it was like, ooh, this big innovative offense. And yeah. it's like, wait, wait, did you see what we were doing, you know, for several years before that K-gun? But you're right. I, You know, the, the things that, you know, Sam Weish, Bruce Coslett, Jim McNally, the things we did in the mid to late 80s was amazing. Um, Anthony, I think you made a really good point there about like setting the tone um, and setting the tempo up front. And I think for the Bengals of 2018, there's a lot of, you know, sour tastes in fans' mouths about last year and the offensive line struggling. Um, in your opinion, like looking at the team we've got now, looking at the roster, looking at that offensive line, who do you think's the most likely guy to sort of step up and, you know, maybe surprise a few people there with his performance? Because obviously you, the Bengals brought in Cordy Glenn at left tackle. Clint Bowling's a sort of lock to play guard. Billy Price coming in as rookie, he's going to start at centre. But we were just talking before you came on about the sort of right side of the line. Like, do you think there's a guy there that could potentially surprise a few people and step up and play sort of week one? Well, I think, first of all, you need one of those three tackles to step up. You need uh, Hart, Bobby Hart, to be consistent. You need either Obwehi or Jake Fisher. I think that's a key right now. But I think a guy you got to look at is uh, Hopkins has been pretty consistent. But keep your eye on Alex Redmond. I mean, Alex Redmond is a big guy, athletic, explosive. Uh, I think he might be a guy that's going to be in the mix more than he is right now. And I think from that right guard over to the left side, if they stay healthy with who's come in as a rookie and you know people made a big thing about the snaps in camp and how they were have he's not going to have a he's not going to have a problem with that the guy is smart he's strong he's you know he's uh, durable but i think with the right guard with hopkins and redmond at center with price and bowling and then you got christian westerman who is pretty yeah. impressive too uh gordy gordy glenn i think if we could stay healthy and get one of those three tackles to step up at right tackle I, I'm I'm excited about this offensive line, but I'm also excited about Frank Pollock, the new offensive line coach, and yep. what he's teaching, mm. how aggressive he has these guys playing. So, I think this uh, this unit here they need, and I had a chance to talk to him uh, the week before the first preseason game, and you know I basically said, and probably didn't say anything they haven't heard, but I, I kind of said what I just said said a few minutes ago. You guys set the tempo. Yeah. You guys are the guys that are going to either make this team go or not. And I said, yeah. regardless to you, you have a quarterback catching the ball, running the ball. I said, it's, it's up to you guys. I mean, you guys can be special. And I think they can. I think with their work ethic and what they're being taught, I think they have the pieces to, to really to really escalate the level of play, something that uh, has been lacking the last couple of years. Now, Antti, we, we've talked to you about the Bengals and we've talked to you about the offensive line, which are your sort of specialist subjects. And we just, I just want, I'm very interested to go off topic quickly and just talk about something that's been quite prevalent um, in the NFL this week. And that's the, there's been a lot of chatter, especially, uh, I know Richard Sherman was quite vocal about it, which is 
the new rules that have been put in place this week about leading with the helmet and some of the penalties that are associated with that. And a lot of players have come out and said that, you know, in the league, it's very, very difficult in the split second of the moment to tackle someone and really think about, you know, how you're making that tackle and stuff like that. As an ex-player and someone that was involved in the league, you know, what what's your opinion on that? Do you think the rules are, you know, are they right? Are they designed to protect the players or are they a little bit too soft? Well, you know, I think I think it's good and bad. I think it's good because you could tell that the safety of the players is first and foremost, and I think that's going to help, you know, the safety. And I, I, I agree with them. At times, it's tough to totally eliminate the head. But, uh, you know, to me, it's the obvious helmet launching. It's the obvious loan that is going to be called. I don't think it's going to be called if there's some, you know, incidental contact with the helmet. Like, you, you can't totally eliminate that. But I believe that it's for the good of the game, the good of the players, that this is being implemented. And I still believe that there can be big hits without getting your head totally involved in the hit. And that's just my humble opinion. Uh, I think it can still be the, the best team sport, the most physical team sport, even with this new helmet rule. Right, Anthony, when, when we put this out on Twitter that you were going to uh, be our guest in this episode... A lot of Bengals fans in the UK went uh, well nuts. Let's. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be diplomatic about it. They were extremely excited, um, and it's great that you can come on because we, we. Point of this podcast and the point of Bengals UK is to try and unite Bengals fans in the UK together. So, thank you so much. Um, but um, I'm gonna. They've fired a few questions out. So if you don't mind, I'm going to give you some quick fire questions. Uh, you don't okay. have to go into like loads of detail because I'm aware that we're taking up too much of your time already. Um, so I'm going to fire them off and just answer them as you as you wish. Um, okay. Phil uh, Phil H says, why does Anthony think there is a lack of quality and depth at the tackle position across the NFL? Well, that's that's a great question, and that is uh, something that uh, I continue to look at and. You know, a lot of it, I think, comes from the the training in college. Uh, you know, the type of offenses they run in college has a lot to do with it. And, and quite frankly, as I watch college linemen, there's just a lack of those tackles. Uh, you know, when I played, I could probably name six, seven, eight of them that were solid left tackles uh, and over the years. But, uh, you know, it, there's there's very few. I, mean, I had a chance to watch Tyron Smith down at Dallas to me, man. The yeah. guy's unbelievable. Yeah. But you can't name a bunch of them. So, I think it's a combination of, you know, maybe systems in college and then there's just not a lot of those, you know, guys coming up right now. Um, so we have uh, Patrice, who is uh, heads up Bengals France. There is a Bengals outpost in France. And uh, Patrice, I think you're his favourite player of all time. So he was very excited um, using lots of exclamation marks in the tweet. So, um what is Anthony's opinion about Ken Anderson and the Hall of Fame? I think I know what you're going to answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I believe that without a shadow of a doubt, it's a shame that he wasn't the senior candidate that just went in and he should have been in a long time ago. I, I'm sorry, but the guy, not just because I played with him, but what he accomplished in his career, I think he's a three-time passing champion. I'm the guy, you know, you, you talk to, you see so many testimonies of quarterbacks that played for Bill Walsh in that West Coast offense. And every one of them says, when I first got into that system, the guy that I watched to see how that system was run was Kenny Anderson. He should be in the Hall of Fame. It's a shame that he's not in there yet. Here, here. And he's been a guest on this uh, podcast before, and he's a friend to us, so we absolutely echo, yeah. echo your uh, sentiment there. Um, now, Duncan uh, Price... Who is the best left tackle in the NFL at the moment, would you say? Well, you know, out of the guys I've seen, I probably saw the best uh, Saturday night, uh, right. Tyron Smith. And, you know, people say, well, you know, you both went to USC, so you're going to root for a USC <laughs> guy. I said, no. I said, you know, I, I'm, still, I'm still big on Andrew Whitworth. I think he's still playing at a high level. Yeah. I enjoyed watching him here before he went out west. Uh, you know, but Tyron, uh, uh, what's it, uh, Luan Taylor, uh, Oh man, I know it's good. Luan from uh, the Tennessee Titans. He's oh yeah, really yeah, yeah. Good. Tyler yeah. Luan. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know when he's healthy, Trent Williams with the the Redskins. But to me, right now, I don't know if there's anybody better than Tyron Smith. He is he's a stud. 
Uh, Jamie, and this is our last quickfire question. Uh, who is your bust next to in the hall? And if, as John Madden claims, do you think they talk to each other at night? And what will they be talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, right now, you know, they, they recently just uh, put all the class together. Before they used to just be randomly, but now right. I'm with my class of Mike Singletary, Dwight Stevenson, uh, Paul Krause, and Tommy McDonald. I think what happens at night, I think because Mike Singletary would be the middle linebacker <laughs> and, uh, and Dwight Stevenson uh, is the, the, you know, played center, I think I, I try to kind of talk Dwight into letting me play next to him and, and we'll double team Singletary, see if we can handle him. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're winding this right down now. The last thing we like to do just before you go is just to have a quick bit of fun. Um, we always we enjoy a beer in the UK and we like having a few craft beers on the podcast. Um, we've had a few guests in the past. We spoke to Ken Anderson. He said his favorite beer was Coors Light. We had uh, Kevin Huber talk to us about some great craft beers in Cincinnati. And last week, Carlos Dunlap kind of dodged the question and said he was a big tequila fan. But what is Anthony <laughs> Munoz's is beer of choice? Well, I'm not a big beer guy, but I'd have to say Modelo. 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 Especial has to be the, the one. Okay. Good answer. Wow. And finally, right. last last question. Ken Anderson had us going 12-4 and four when we asked him. That was his optimistic prediction. And we had Kevin Huber say a 10-6. and six. Looking at the team, and I know you've been commentating in the preseason, what do you think? Do you think we can go well? or What's your season prediction? I think I'm I'm kind of right there with Kevin Huber. I think a ten and six would be good for this team. Not surprised if they go over ten, but I'm going to say ten six also. Fantastic, great stuff. Uh, we should mention your foundation, Anthony. Just just talk a little before we let you go. Just talk a, a, a briefly about your because you live still live in Cincinnati. Is that right? Cincinnati's home. Yep, we stayed here. My wife and I raised two kids. Now they're yeah. raising kids. Uh, yeah, the Anthony Munoz Foundation. We started back in 2002. We uh, we impact kids mentally, physically, and spiritually. We have like six uh, six programs, everything from uh, mentoring, one-on-one -on -one mentoring of elementary kids once a week throughout the whole school year. We have what we call overnight character camps. We do two of those where we take about 150, 130 young men to camp. We teach them a little football. we got to teach them a little football. Sure. But we yeah, teach yeah. them char character and team building. Right. We have a, uh, a big leadership seminar where we bring together about 100 high schools we have leadership motivational speakers all day, and at the end of the day, after breakout sessions, we send them with a the charge into the community. They put together community service projects, and they, we track them, pick a couple winners. And then with high school seniors going to college, we'll give anywhere from 15 to 24, 25 scholarships for those seniors going to college. So, you know, I'm excited about what we're able to do. Like I said, we've been going for 17 years. We've raised I think close to $13 million wow. to impact young people in this great community. Incredible. Wow, what a fabulous job and uh, what an amazing thing to do. And um, But, yeah, I mean, thank you so much for coming on, Anthony. It means a lot to us and means a lot to the fans uh, over here. Um, so, Sir Anthony Munoz, <laughs> thank you for the time. <laughs> you are awfully kind, Paul, Nathan. Again, when I was there and had a chance to chat with you, that was quite an – it was a great experience being there. Uh, for the, the Bengals game last year, I enjoyed the fans. I enjoyed the people there. And uh, hopefully it happens again. And hopefully I get back there and see you guys in person. Yeah. The, the, the first Modelo is on us, okay? <laughs> All right. Sounds good. All sounds right. good. Thanks, Cheers, Anthony. Anthony. Thank you so much. Well, that was Anthony Munoz. That was incredible, wasn't it? We've had Carlos on last week. We had Anthony Munoz on this week. I mean... <sighs> I'm still, in I'm still in cloud nine. I can't believe it. He was a proper hero. Really great guys. Well, I think what was really nice was that foundation work he was talking about at the end. Like, it's such dedication for a player you know, that's finished in the league and to still keep that charitable work up is fantastic. Oh, it's unbelievable. And he said some really interesting things about the offensive line, as you would imagine he would do Alex so. Alex Webman was an interesting shout. Was, yeah. No one's really been talking about him. No, I mean, Kemp, you know, we mentioned Ken Perkins, and Alex Redman was pretty much the only one that we haven't mentioned. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, I really hope one of those guys can step up, man. I one really of those geezers needs to have a big year, didn't they? Or at least, at least play at a level that's average. At least be able to be an average. Because we don't need necessarily Pro Bowl linemen. That's not what we're saying we, they need to be. It's they need to be competent enough so that Dalton's not under siege all year. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like Just good enough to keep him like 
middle of the pack in terms of sacks. Well, an average offensive line allows you to run the ball a little bit. Yeah, exactly. It allows you to give Dalton a bit more time. Yeah. You know, just all those things were lacking last year and I have to say lacking a bit in that in that Dallas first half Absolutely. as well. Um so we can't thank Anthony Munoz enough. And do you know what, Nathan? I could have talked to him all day. <laughs> I really no genuinely could. You, another one of the things you like to say, I was listening to our podcast back earlier in this week, is we our go. old chum. Our old, what? Yeah, our old chum, James Rapine. <laughs> I'm not from Cornwall, blimey. Our old chum. Our old chum, James Rapine. Or, um, He's been on this podcast before. <laughs> tweet us with your classic Paul Hyron's catchphrases, catchphrases okay. on Cincinnati. There's um, at least ten. Now, we've had a fun week together, haven't we, Nathan? I mean, the week before last, we met up in Hampstead for a romantic Fantastic. cup of tea and a bit of cake in a posh yeah. cafe, talking <laughs> while everyone else was talking about their son's Tarquin and <laughs> their daughter's Jemima going to private school. We were sitting there talking about the linebacker situation. <laughs> <laughs> Sad uh, but true. And this week, we went out and met two uh, American old chums, ourselves, <laughs> uh, Jeremy and Jess Connolly, uh, members of the bomb, the legendary uh, Bengals Bomb Squad. Yeah, the tailgate group, the Bomb Squad. And they were over, and we met them in London. Stayed in contact. Good fun, wasn't it? Really nice people. Really and nice. Jess had brought their entire her entire family over. Uh, we met them for a quick drink, didn't they? Uh, didn't we? And that, that was really cool. And Paul got me a beer. That you'd all be inclined to know. That's right. Why are you surprised? I'm, no, no, I'm I think the viewers. I, I mean, I think the viewers, the viewers, the listeners, as yeah, I was come corrected, on, oh, not on Radio 1, um, the listeners, <laughs> I reckon they think that I was the one buying the drinks and you'd be a bit like, oh, you know. Well, a bit tight, know, is that what you're trying well, to say? Possibly. It's Paul, I, I just can't to be imagine. Honest, can you imagine Paul know? buying me a drink? Yeah, but you just, you like, have a, I'll have a pint of neck bite or whatever. It, what's it called? Neck, neck, <laughs> neck oil. Way. Here. Get us a neck, a neck bite, will we, mate? Geezer, son. son. It's a solid handle, that is. <laughs> oh, um, but yes, Jess and uh, Jeremy um, are in Scotland now, I believe. Hello. But they're pining for a return back to London, I think. They're bored already. No offence, Scottish people. Um, but uh, I did this Scott keep fuming as he heard. Yeah, I know, yeah. Um, He's smashing stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Gibb being a another Bengals UK member, if you're wondering who the hell is from Gibb Scotland, is. <laughs> from Scotland, obviously, with a name like Scott, you know, he's got to be from Scotland, Scott really. Scott Gibb, oh, you're doing accents now, Scott Gibson. <laughs> Honestly, stop with the accents, you can't do them. He's a good boy, we should get him on actually. We should. Well, he's going to America pretty soon to is watch he? a couple of games. Is he's he? taken in two, I think, uh, 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 Jamie is. Going. That's another one of your. Oh, Jamie. Uh, Jay- I don't know how to pronounce his Twitter I sound handle. Like, yeah, I don't. I don't whisper like some <laughs> sort of horror movie character. Oh, Jamie. Ah, uh, Jamie. And his and his and his Twitter handle. I can't pronounce it. Sorry. Yeah, it sounds like some sort of. 1930s horror movie. Hammer horror movie. Um, yeah, Jamie's going to the Atlanta game. So, you know, give us a shout. If you're going over to the States this year, we'd love to get you on and have a bit of a chat, see where you are, what you're up to, what what you think of it all. Uh, but, you know, the season is a couple of weeks away, so we're looking to ramp up the interaction with you guys, uh, the fans. Um, now, uh, what's next? Oh, yes, notices. Um, last week we did uh, put together a competition. I have to say, <laughs> the entries... Haven't been rolling in. So no, they've been all right. I've been a couple of ones. Well, you've got Tom McDowell in his in his bikini, <laughs> which is uh, an interesting one. Quite erotic, I have to say. Uh, a bit too erotic, maybe. Um, Jamie with his God Save the Green. Uh, that was Mike that submitted that. Yeah, that was really good. There's uh, a couple of other good ones. They're, yeah, they're a couple right. of others. So we want more. We want more. So basically, to win a copy of Madden 19... All you have to do, because obviously there is a player from the team that shall not be named on the front cover this year, uh, we're not going to be having that. So we want you to come up with your own Bengals-themed uh, Madden cover, and it can just be a photograph. Don't worry about any logos or anything like that. Um, 
just send us something funny, something stupid, something crazy, something creative, and me and Nathan will... I think you've got until next week, the 28th, I think it was. So just... Good prize. It's a good prize. You get your own copy of Madden for the either the PS4 or the Xbox One. Um, and as I say, me and Nathan will judge it. And then in return, you'll get the copy and you'll get your own personalised Bengals-themed cover, uh, which will have a photograph of you on it, obviously, if you win it. But uh, all you have to do to enter is tweet us at... Uh, who day underscore UK? Uh, I can't remember what the hashtag is, so I'll put it out on the on the Twitter thing tomorrow, or just drop it on our Facebook wall. But yeah, come on, you know there's a there's a copy of Madden 19 up for grabs. So be as creative and as silly and as crazy as you want. Can I enter? No, because I wouldn't mind Madden 19. I'm just about to get a PS4. As a judge, you can't enter these. But if I enter under a persuaderism or whatever it's called. Persuaderism? <laughs> you mean a pseudonym? Big Nathan? Bengals fan Nate. <laughs> big sexy Nate. I was big sexy Paul last week. You're big sexy Nate. I think I'll the, take I, big sexy Nate. I think the, the listeners might have cottoned on to the theme there, actually. Um, right, we have some questions. Unless unless you want to, do you want to talk about anything else? Um... No, I don't know. I'm a bit, a bit pissed about the offensive line, to be honest. I was a well, bit, we're swearing I was a, bit, a bit tonight. Apologies. I was a, bit, a little bit, felt a bit down watching that game. Did it, you? It made me feel a bit like PTSD of last season, to be honest. Oh, lordy, lord. You it, know what I mean? It triggered you, did it? <laughs> it did a bit. Mm. Seeing Dalton on him, like, running like that. It's like he's a running, like, you know what I mean? Down the street from some people mm. chasing him, like, a bit worrying. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, no, we're willing to take questions now. Yeah, good. Thanks for, you know, <laughs> raising the, the mood considerably. Uh, Duncan, Dastardly Duncan, always Dastardly Duncan. always a good one for these sort of questions. He's got Ooh, another good one. This. this is a good one. Is it? Yeah. Uh, they're all good from Duncan, but this is a particularly good one, I think. And I had to think long and hard about this. Um, you can have any Bengals QB for one, one drive. Nathan's writing this down. Two, one game. And three, one season stroke Super Bowl run. Who do you pick for each? You can pick the same or multiple or pick a single one for each. Jesus Christ. Well, you, you thought about it. A so little one, bit. One geezer for a drive, one for a game, yeah. and one if, for a season. Okay, if the game was on the line, which yeah. quarterback of all Bengals quarterbacks in history would you choose? Would you put your money on to get the ball downfield and get a winning on score? A drive? Yeah. <sighs> Boomer. He's a bit gutsy, isn't he? Yeah. He's got balls on him, the geezer. Yeah, it'd have to be a toss-up between the greats, I think. Or it could be Greg Cook. I'm going boomer, you go Greg Cook. Well, I'm not going to go Greg Cook, but he's worth a mention, Greg Cook. Not Ryan Fitzpatrick? No, funnily enough, no Kitner in there. No. Um... If you, if, I'm so what do you answer for that? I'm going boomer. You got to... I'm going to go boomer because you're right. He, I mean, you just we just heard Anthony talk about the no-huddle offence. You know... You want a no-huddle offence when you're driving down the field and you need to score points in, say, like a two-minute, one-minute drill. And Boomer was the absolute master at that. Yeah. You know, so, yes, one game. Carson Palmer. He was unreal. But when that season, the 2005 season, he was flinging it about, the geezer. He was unbelievable. Yeah. Erotic. I wonder when Palmer was going to come into this. but um, I just don't know who else you'd have because you wouldn't have Dalton... Really? No, I mean, I mean, bless Maybe him. Maybe Dalton but... in his quality year, that year in was it 2016 when he was at his best? Was I still it? wouldn't. I think he's just too Palmer inconsistent. Was better than him. Oh yeah, yeah. But then Boomer and Kenny were just. But you can't have Boomer now. Were on a different level. I'd go for Ken Anderson. For yeah, me. but I'd go well, Ken actually, for the season. That's where I'm going next. Okay. Because one Ken's game. Hand... All right. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go Carson Palmer as well because yeah. I think we both. Look can... at us agreeing. I know it's not good. I don't like it. I feel a bit weird. Yeah. Um, so we're going Boomer for the drive, Palmer for the game, and Ken Palmer was never great under pressure. Sometimes I never thought. That's why I go no. with him for the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You want a ballsy geezer like Boomer to take it for the drive. Yeah, like I think. If it, was two, if it was like minute thirty, one timeout. Yeah. I wouldn't want Carson Palmer in there. No. That's where you'd want Boomer. But for one game. Against the right team, you want Palmer flinging yeah. it all, all playing over unreal, shot. slinging it down the field under a mile an hour. Yeah, you'd also, I'd also say, uh, Jeff Blake's worth a mention as well. Yeah, that's a good chat. If you, if I was to extend this question out, dastardly, it would be who you know for one pass, <laughs> right? <laughs> Jeff Blake throwing boom balls. Jeff 
Blake through the prettiest long ball you have ever seen in your life. I mean, it was just a thing of beauty. So I think one pass, it would be Jeff Blake. Um, have you heard that song, Bengals Bandwagon? No, I don't think have I have. you not have it with Jeff Blake? He's like, Jeff Blake, throw in boom balls. Da, 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 no, da. I'm going to have to Is that song, when the Bengals were really good back in 2005? Some geezer released a song about the Bengal bandwagon. Okay. About everyone was getting on it. It's a really good song. We should play it next week on the pod. Okay. I'm going to try I'll, and find I'll it. I'll search it's called that Bengal Bandwagon. Okay. It's a bit of a sort of country sort of weird song, but it's really funny and it's good. No need to be rude. Um... <laughs> One season Super Bowl run. I'm. I think we're both going to go Kenny, right? Yeah, of course, hundred percent. Just because of the consistency, yeah, absolutely. Been over there, done a it. long period of time. Yeah, you know, passing leader, league MVP, as was Boomer, of course, and he led the Bengals to a Super Bowl. Exactly. But I'm going Kenny just because of that extra consistency, that reliability. Yeah. Uh, he could do it all basically. So Kenny, you're in. Um, right, Michael Fisher at oh, he's my favourite at Cosmic Sausage seventy seven. He's back. The, the, the sausage. sausage was back. Um, with Dalton's form, stroke ability questionable. Oh, he's controversial. Is the sausage um, and Driscoll stroke Barkley looking far from ready? Do we need to trade for a quality NFL ready QB who could step in when required? Also, are we going to regret not getting a QB higher in the draft? Uh, given how QB heavy this year's draft was, the thing is, even if you went for a quarterback in the fourth, fifth round, which is probably what Colsmith Sausage is alluding to, they're not going to be ready. To call him Co- if you're going to abbreviate that dude's name, would you go Cosy or just Sausage? Hello, Sausage. He's <laughs> doing a disjustice to the cosmic part of it. It is Cosy. That's the key part. Anyone? I'll go Cosy, but I like I like the word cozy, Sausage. That's yeah, good. I like the word sausage. <laughs> so, I, like I, I said, like sausage. Well, yeah, I, I gathered that. <laughs> that quote's going to come back to haunt me at some stage. But anyway, um, I even if you drafted a geezer in the fourth or fifth round, he's not going to be ready to back a team up, really. I mean, ideally, your ideal backup quarterback is Ryan Fitzpatrick for his whole career. Mm. Like an NFL starter, if called upon, but a sort of lower tier starter that can flash. That is the ideal backup quarterback, not a fourth or fifth round draft pick. So I'd say no to that. And to the point of well, who are we going to trade for, no team's going to want to trade a quarterback that is their second backup string quarterback unless they've got some amazing you know, young guy waiting in the wings. So I don't really know who, you know, where we'd go with that. I mean, I know Bridgewater's been talked about. The Bengals aren't going to go giving up picks. Teddy's a Bridgewater. starting quarterback. Yeah, We're but, not going to get him. And the Bengals don't want a QB competition no, and that's like the, they no, don't want a kicker competition. We've not talked about the kickers yet. Yeah, and that's a good point because they let McCarron go. They didn't trade McCarron when they had clear, when they should have done. You know, if the, if the oh, Browns yeah, yeah. now had McCarron, they'd be screwed yeah. because they wouldn't have got Tyrod Taylor. No. They may well still have drafted Baker Mayfield, but then they're screwed. They've been lumbered. They've paid out this pick for McCarron. They've paid out another pick for Mayfield, yep. and we've got another pick up our sleeve. If they didn't want to do that, they're not going to go and trade for anyone now. No, I agree. I don't know. I saw a report, I think, yesterday that was it the Seahawks kind of inquiring after Jacoby Brissett from yeah, the Colts? A second was being floated. A second but... round pick for Jacoby R- yeah, Brissett. Why you... do they want him the Seahawks anyway? Just in case Wilson goes down? Yeah, I mean, he's Second's not a lot, He's not bad actually, Jacoby Brissett. As a backup, I think he's a decent yeah, player. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, if we had a chance to get Brissett for a fourth or fifth, yeah, well, actually, no maybe a fifth. For a fifth I don't know. I think that might be worth a shout. I because you, I, I don't know if they get you for a fifth. I'd be anyone's for a fifth, I think. Um, I, I don't know. That that backup... I mean, they played it. They just played it all wrong with McCarron, didn't they? Let's face it. They just... Bad they're down, terrible yeah. at playing the game. They're terrible at wheeling oh, and yeah. dealing in the market, aren't they? They're, that's one thing, a knock on the Bengals, that you can absolutely back up, I think. And yeah. I just think that deal last year that they had done, you could have just loosened that for one round but letter and taken it. You know, people will say, well, trade. it was the Browns whose fax machine wasn't working or got jammed or ran out of uh, colour printing materials or whatever. But it's like, why not get that 
trade done way before the yeah. the deadline. Why wait until the deadline? You know, well, and, it, I guess and the, the thing is, in that season, the Bengals, the difference between them winning a Super Bowl, which really should be the only factor, yeah. was not having AJ McCarron as a quarterback versus Jeff, Jeff Driscoll. Yeah, there yeah. wasn't that big of a talent golf. I don't think the Bengals ever thought, knowing McCarron, they knew better than anyone in the league what they had at their disposal. I don't think they thought for a second that that guy was a premium NFL starter because they let him go if yeah. he was they would have held on to him if they really thought that AJ McCarron and they looked at him and they thought you know what this geese is better than Dalton he is he's yeah. got the talent we see him every day he's a winner he's going to take us to the next level you do not release a guy like that you don't let him go to the free market for nothing no no um Oh, it's good to see Logan Woodside though saying all that good to see Logan Woodside going out there I thought he looked the part and he, he looked all right looked all right looked all right yeah, good to see. Him. I know he got arrested, didn't he? Which won't go in his favour. I mean, yeah. he's a perennial practice squad. See what we've got. Uh, well, we'll see. I don't know. Don't uh, know. He's not making the roster. No, he's not making the roster. But I think you're right. His practice squad. But yeah. he might have a future. He didn't look completely overawed. I didn't. The think. Mac player, isn't he? From the Mac. Well, I don't know. Yeah. The Mid Atlantic Conference. Okay. Yeah. Well done. Uh, Wee Man Syndrome uh, at Or Cameron. If you read any amount of articles on the Bengals, you'll notice a pattern with the words people use to describe certain players. For example, speedster John Ross, oft-injured Tyler Eifert, suspended linebacker Vontae's perfect. Can can you come up with any for the rookies this year? Um, well, I'll give you one. So he's looking for adjectives, basically. Mm. I'll give you one. Starter, Jesse Bates. Yeah, absolutely. And that, I didn't. I bet he didn't didn't bargain on that uh, when he came into camp. No, I mean, especially, you know, if you look, like you said, look at the Bengals going in the past, Jesse Bates would have been a third-year starter. You know what I mean? He would have really maybe played a bit of special teams in year one, maybe, you know, played a little bit of backup. For him to start day one is incredible. Um, How about Ikea wardrobe, Alden Tate? Yep, Ikea wardrobe, Alden Tate. <laughs> <laughs> Who else have we got? Billy Price. Frank Pollack's son, Billy Price, is not objective, <laughs> but it'll do. Uh, so, uh, Andrew Brown, injured Andrew Brown, I guess. Mm. Um, Sam Hubbard, he's keen, keen. Keen Sam He's Hubbard. local and like all his family. Did you see that article about all his family? But under yeah, that was jerseys. nice. That was nice, yeah. A bit sad. <laughs> well, come on, if you got drafted. Yeah, if I got like... drafted by the Bengals and my, uh, my old folks had to go out and buy 150 jerseys. Yeah, what, he didn't buy them 150 jerseys? No, I, think, you know, I, I don't know, maybe he did. But still, it's a bit like, if you're in a team, give him, give him some jerseys. It's Mike Brown we talked about, yeah. yeah. Don't you be dissing Mike Brown on this podcast. Why not? Do you know the underrated part of last week's podcast? I was listening what? back to it last night. There we go. Carlos... Honestly, he kind of, every week he said, you know what, I haven't listened to it back yet. I haven't listened to that podcast. <laughs> I haven't listened to it back yet. And you think with Nathan's ego, he'd be like listening to it every <laughs> single minute of every single day. No, I was listening back to it last night when Carlos Dunlap was like, I don't think Mr. Brown could handle that food. That was a quality comment. He was really Surprise, polite about it. Surprised well. he wasn't cut after yeah, that. Yeah, no. <laughs> but it was funny because it was like so polite. He's like, I don't think Mr. Brown could handle the spice. <laughs> okay, well, uh, on... I Mike Brown could. On that... You think he could? I reckon the geezer might take a few jalapenos down. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's a dark horse, old Mickey B. Yeah. We need to get him on this podcast. I'd love Mike Brown That'd on this podcast. such an outrageous pod. It would be. Imagine. You'd well, be giving him an intro for about 15 minutes and I would he'd just not. cut off. Here's Mike Brown. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I mean, that would be incredible, wouldn't it? It'd be I, just got, I mean, I've listened to him on a few... I know he gets a lot of stick. Interesting geezer. Yeah, I've listened to him on a few sort of interviews where, you know, he's not being asked, so, you know, why don't you spend money or why, why do fans think that you don't care and all that kind of stuff. We heard a really good story last week from a certain person, didn't we, about mm. Mike Brown that we can't repeat on air. But... um, um. He is. A, he's got loads of stories. I mean, growing up with his dad and all the stuff that they went through in Cleveland, and then starting up the Bengals, and all you know, being a member of the kind of owners' committee and all kinds of stuff. I think he would be an interesting guest. Mm, definitely. Never going to get him. Never. 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 Ever. Ever. Right. Um, next week's guest, Mike Brown. Next week's, yeah, you just wait. I've got seven days to get Mike Brown. So if anybody <laughs> knows Mike Brown out there. 
get in touch and make it happen. We can ask him what beers he's he drinks. He only does one interview a year anyway, let alone I know, us. I know. Hope Mike, we have liked to have a bit of fun with a guest on a podcast. Like, wonder fun? <laughs> Are you sure? We're like, Kevin Uber likes my IPAs. We wonder if Uber like, was on your... He didn't <laughs> ask me. How dare he? Imagine Mike Brown was like, do you know what? I love Stone IPA. He's like, I love it. <laughs> I love Stella. He goes, he goes, he goes <laughs> I love a good can of Stella. I love a good six-pack of Stella on a bench somewhere <laughs> under the Roebling Bridge. Or he's ups Carlos Dunlap and he goes, oh, I love some absinthe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me and Carlos <laughs> go out on the last drink of tequila and absinthe every... In Miami, me and Carlos, it's spring me break and my, Yeah, I like to wear a muscle vest down in Miami. <laughs> Pull out a big eight pack of Stella. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I would love that. I would love that. And uh, I'm, Who knows, sure, I'm yeah. sure he is. Crazier yeah. things happened on this podcast. Indeed, they have. Um, involving Pat Sims. <laughs> involving Pat Sims, yeah. And uh, Andre Smith in a lift. But we won't go back there, listeners, ever. Um, so um, that's oh, it for dear. this episode. Thanks so much for uh, listening in. As ever, you can get in touch with us uh, at uh, Twitter, uh, what is it, at whoday underscore UK and on Facebook, Bengals UK. Get those questions and shout outs and whatever you want to say. Keep them coming. We really do appreciate it. And get those competition entries in as well. You've got a week. Um, We've got something else to announce. We've got a meetup coming out. Uh, pretty soon, so uh, we'll be announcing that soon. I yeah, think. massive. We hope everyone come along to that. I think that's going to be a good one. Yeah, a really good one as well. So that's going to be in the autumn. But I say we're not going to say anything now. But we will do it in the next couple of weeks. But until then, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Cheers, guys. And a big fat saucy hooday. Hooday. Oh, by the way. Uh, Everyone's tuned out. There's no. No, they haven't. Listening. They haven't. There's no way anyone's still listening. Now. No, they haven't. If they've they not got sad. A... Well, I don't know. They're, like they're holding on for us to say something. That's more. right. I, we uh, ended it. There's no way. No, there listening. is. Um, you know, I like to play us out with a song, Nathan. Yeah. We're not going to sing. Don't worry, listeners, and don't worry, Nathan. Oh, thank God for that. Uh, although I do want to get Anthony on again to have a bit of a sing along with yeah, Can you imagine good. that? That would be good actually. Yeah, what yeah. do you reckon he'd sing? Because I can see him as a crooner. Robbie Williams. That put Robbie him at his, Williams. Yeah, he'd love Robbie Williams. I reckon Shakira. No, Robbie Williams. <laughs> he would love it. Yeah, I can see Anthony as a bit of a Robbie. Shakira, Shakira. Um, yeah, we do like to play you out and us out with a song. And this one is dedicated to George Iloka. Um did you hear that story that after he got cut, he went along to his children's yeah, hospital? Yeah, that was I a mean, really nice touch when I heard about that. Incredible stuff. So, George, if you're listening, I'm sure you are. <laughs> um, it's a fond farewell from us. Thank you for, was it, I can't remember how many years. It's year, about five years, wasn't it, of service. George, right. thank you, buddy. Uh, it's a fond farewell from us. Uh, so until next week, we really are going now. And here's some music. Cheers. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.